coming up on the Naughtiest Naughty. Like if you dance to the da 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 then you will have a heart attack or a seizure and you will collapse and die. Say my name is still top of the pile for Scott. And Liam has broken the rules to make his current winner. If you're too shy, let me know by the 1975. Hang on, I'm not Ron Burgundy. What? Sorry, I, I couldn't resist. I really couldn't. My actual winner is Madison Avenue. Don't call me baby. Maybe I've just thrown that little detour in there to deflect from the controversy that I caused last week by dropping Craig Dave and picking Madison Avenue. It has been, it has proved controversial, hasn't it? I've had a lot of people saying that how could you but I've also had some people as you'll hear later on um, who are very much in my corner so I, it, it's it's definitely split the audience I think that's the whole point of this really isn't it and yeah. it's is going to cause controversy and even if you get to a point in the timeline of this where you feel like you're out because your winner hasn't even got through you can still listen because the whole thing is yeah. kind of just intriguing as to what way it's going to go mm. plus we keep dropping surprises like that really yeah. as to the way that it's it's what way it's going to go really and i kind of want to emphasize that we aren't we aren't making these decisions like to make things dramatic it just is dramatic like we're being totally honest and truthful about how we feel about these songs and it just so happens that it's a complete podcast dynamite i think you'll agree a big part of this show is you and what you think and your thoughts on the songs and we kind of want you to pick your winners as well so it's been great to hear from you across the week let's get into one for from uh, Becca, who is our Westlife correspondent. She's been given that crown. She's the reason why this show exists. It was her her idea, basically, her inspiration. Um, in one of the first... I know it was week one, wasn't it? We slagged off Westlife quite a bit because those two songs, uh, I Have a Dream and... What was the other one? Seasons, Seasons in the, in the sun. sun. Absolute shite. But they came back with Fool Again, which was better. And Rebecca is very happy that we're on the same page. I actually agree with the notes that you made this time around I feel like you know you listened to me and you didn't really um what's the word I'm trying to think of I'm so fucking brain dead this lockdown has got me absolutely exhausted but actually segue listening to Westlife today whilst I was having a little break at work lifted my spirits right up so there you go. I think that's the point, isn't it? I like it when people agree. That's really good. I didn't want to be on the on the, the receiving end of Becca again because that first time was pretty scary. Yes. Uh, this one is from Ryan, who's been in touch on the emails quite a lot, but has taken the plunge and given us his first voice note. All right, guys. Absolutely loving the podcast. I'm loving learning song histories and all the stories. Just top crack. Was on the verge of sending really strong words about Liam dropping Pure Shores so early, but seeing how tough things are going, especially this week, which I think was the hardest yet, were Britney, Tom and that big school disco S Club 7 track, but I cannot express how buzzing I am that Liam picked Madison Avenue. It's such a funky bop, and I hope it hangs on for a while, so little Liam's all the way for now. Don't lose sleep, Liam. 
Just wondering too, do you think as it goes on, you're both going to start feeling the pressure of expectations for what people think you'll pick yourselves or what should win that week? Oh, mm. served about pure shores. Yeah, but I think I made amends with Madison Avenue. Uh, I, I'm pleased about that. Um, to go to his question mm-hmm. though, do you think you're feeling the, the uh, we've already kind of covered it, we, we are feeling the pressure of expectation with the choices. We are feeling the um, the, the gaze of the public on our on our eyes. I do feel like that's the case. And, you know, each week we post the visuals of what we're covering each week. And we've already had Nick Borthwick message saying that he has a winner of S Club 7 and Reach, you know. Um, and I think that things like that, I feel like the pressure really is on the clear as day pop stars. And I think as we're getting into this more, we're leaning towards specialist pop music of many respects but it could spin back around at any point we just don't know you know we are riding this storm and we're not looking too far ahead and sometimes we do but there's so many on our list that you forget them Mm. pretty quickly Mm. you know um but yeah it's an interesting one the way that it's panning out you've mentioned reach there by s club seven which we had last week uh nick clearly very complimentary do you want to hear the polar opposite (laughs) oh jesus right hit me this is from Dan. Hi Liam and Scott. Just thought I'd message in to say I hate Reach for the Stars and I feel like someone had to say it and I guess that someone has to be me. It's a song made for kids and kids don't sing it anymore. You know, the only people that sing it are these 40-year-olds that go to dive bars and chant it at the top of their lungs. Linda Love, you're 50. You know, you're not reaching for the stars anymore. You're reaching for the regal king size on top of your gyro. Be real. Other cigarette brands are available, etc., etc. Yeah, maybe I'm just a cynic. You'll probably see it different, but I just had to say it. I just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't really pulled any punches, has he? No. He's just gone right in there. I mean, like... Oh. <laughs> so callous it's so callous but it's um that, that's how you feel that's fine i think that might be my favorite voice note i know that i said a few weeks back that nikki b was my favorite voice note because it was hilarious i think this one might be my favorite providing we don't get sued for it but you know mm-hmm. yes wow those are the thoughts of dan and not of the naughtiest naughty we are simply just you know <laughs> broadcasting it <laughs> it's uh pl- please don't come for us we, 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 we can't be cheered with that uh so coming up on today's show we got tracks from may and June 2000. We've got some arena rock, some garage, some gospel. We've got one of the most memed tracks of all time. Plus an out-of-character debut for one of Pop's biggest stars. She's enormous now, but you wouldn't Mm -hmm. believe the the beginning she had. We've got the coming together of two music titans. But first, we're kicking off with a couple of huge number one hits. So we mentioned this track last week because it held off S Club 7's reach at number two for three weeks like a really crafty and committed bully, pushing the forehead of a classmate like you stay down there where you belong, you scum. This track actually could be anything but that kind of vibe. It's Sonic and it feels so good. very different to S Club 7 Reach isn't it like a completely different approach really yes very different this song 
is kind of cemented into my brain because again we're doing the whole back to the thing where you know I was there I lived it do I have memories and things like that but this at the time was just such a massive 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 dance track for people which is a bit weird because it's actually like a drum and bass slash breakbeat track yeah in disguise but this is a legendary dance anthem from the time and it was so so big and I actually discussed this with my wife during the week. I don't know or don't ever remember anybody ever disliking this track. I will say that I've read some stuff online that goes against that. People who said they've listened back to it since. Um, I think 2015 I saw these comments saying like they can't believe how cheap it sounds production-wise. Would you would you go with that at all? Because I'm not hearing it. I'm hearing a pretty rich production. Um, I think that it's not a wall of sound on purpose. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think about what you're getting, if you look at it in a waveform perspective from like an audio point of view... It isn't supposed to be a thick track. It is supposed to be simple. It is actually drum and bass meets a little bit of techno with the way that it's structured, but mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be an overmastered, overcompressed track. That was never really the point of it. And actually, the reason why it got attention was because it had been released two years earlier um, as like a, a test track, which is what, you know, in dance music, a lot of the time, you know, we've seen it with some tracks historically they're out the year before in Ibiza or two years before in Ibiza but this one got noticed by people in Florida and then they managed to sign it and then that's why it became such a global phenomenon because it struck chords in America and America historically is really behind in dance music you know they're still on EDM to this day and Mm. they sort of didn't really understand trance until a few years ago and then all of a sudden above and beyond have a number one trance album Mm. Um, but it was a, a very different kettle of fish and they were very hip hop they were very r&b and stuff like this just never really got through but it was just huge it just sold so many though like this was the third biggest selling single of the 2000s which i didn't realize yeah. until i started you know having a little nose a bit more beyond what i already knew would you say it's an introduced sort of track because it's i certainly got introduced vibes i do but weirdly enough based on what the critics have said it isn't mastered and compressed enough because I think for me, intro juice is always stuff that is really loud and actually quite compressed. I've only I've only really got one one really obvious intro juice this week out of the whole list, okay. but lots of brilliant tracks. But what I kind of react to as an intro juice, um, this isn't necessarily one of them, but it's got strings in it straight away. Bloody love strings. You know, what? Mm-hmm. I'm like a complete sucker. Mm-hmm. But the big thing for me is, right, is... What's really odd is when you listen to it lyrically, you kind of want to be that guy sexually whenever you realise what she's actually talking about. You know, (laughs) she's just talking about him being just such a really good lover and she sang a song about it. And, you know, this is based on a real person who she was in love with, who didn't like her back because he was successful and he was convinced she was just into it because of his success. Mm. But uh, he just didn't, didn't pay her any attention really. But imagine the ego you would have if that song was about you really, you know, it's quite lyrically rich. I reckon there'd be a lot of guys come forward saying like, oh yeah, she's talking about me. <laughs> uh, I'm the guy in the song. Uh, I know everyone says it's this other guy, but actually it's me. I'm very good in the sack. I'm a Harvard educated. It's just like, nah, 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 nah. It's, it's like the um, You're So Vain Carly Simon thing, isn't it? Guy's like throwing themselves on the yeah. sword being like, yeah, I'm uh-huh. that guy. The At the time, I can remember there being so many things about this that were unique and that's why it was attractive so she wasn't bothered about what she looked like she had in certain parts of it um a really laddish vibe it was a female dj again which was quite masculine um her vocals are just so sexy and low again she's got that tony braxton kind of a vibe where actually you need to listen yeah. to the lower register and that's what was gripping plus i remember at the time right people were just obsessed with her height 
because it was how tall is that girl how tall is that girl <laughs> and you can't find much on the internet now because i think she might have just like tried to do whatever sweep she could but i find one article that says she's six foot but you know she always danced hunched over too which was one quite cool but it was a strange thing to look at because you were like is she, da- is she bending over because of her height or is she bending over to look kind of cool and you know expressive with the way that she's doing stuff but everything was just really about her height at the time it's worth noting that this is number one for three weeks, we've already said, but I want, I want, I want to re-emphasise yep. the fact that this was a number one single for three weeks. I don't think a track had been number one for this long as of this series so far. I don't think so, actually, no. I don't think so. It's Sonic and she's unique. You can um, <laughs> you can save that one for later. Um, it's a different it's a different kind of number one, isn't it? Especially when you consider the kind of stuff that's around. You know, Britney's just been number one. Yeah. Um, Christina's kind of kicking about now. This comes in and it's just got a different vibe that people really latched onto. Yeah. And uh, it must have caught everyone off guard. Now, I remember whenever I was younger, older kids that could go on holiday at this point coming back and talking about this track. And that's how you know it was quite good. But mm. she was already like famous in the dance music community at this point anyway, because like you've said, she's done loads of different bits and pieces. But there was a track out in 1998, which is a massive, massive Abitha anthem, probably one of the biggest of all time, by David Morales called Need New. And one of the interesting parts of the music video for this was the fact that what happens is, and this is when Ibiza and holidays and low-budget airlines are just becoming slightly more accessible and people can go, there was a scene on the aeroplane where somebody's got out their camcorder and the plane's just full of massive, massive DJs heading off to Ibiza and Sonique's inviting you down the aisle and ah. she was there in this crew and everybody was trying to spot quickly who you could see that was on this plane because you don't see that shot for very long in the video by David Morales. But mm. um, she was just like absolutely amazing, really. It was summer vibes for me. Reminds me of Happy Memories of Friends, GCSEs, big, big seller. No one hated it. Great vocal interesting story romantic and sexy all at once and she didn't come up with a really dirty sexy video to match the lyrics really you know which was classy trendy and really shows how strong and well thought out the whole process behind the song was so we'll go from someone who's maybe more unconventional to someone who's possibly considered more conventional for this time more in fitting with the pop music scene of this era now my generation knows billy as Billie Eilish and the generation <laughs> above me knows Billie as Rose Tyler from Doctor Who but mm-hmm. Scott your generation sorry to say your generation but you know uh, your generation knew Billie as Billie brackets Piper this is Billie Piper with her second album debut single Day and Night Every day was such a heavier change of sound for Billy because we were so used to slightly bubblegum pop Because we want to. Because yeah. we want to. And that was brilliant. And that watch, that one was very much a song for daytime. And what we were seeing now is Billy's a little bit older. She's still a teenager. Mm-hmm. She's tackling slightly darker and grungier things. She's still very much a girl next door, but she's starting to get her attitude and we can see that. But this is just like less of a slumber party song and more of a bit of a, a sexy sounding song for, for older it's, it's it's more like 
taking your sister's ID and going out to the clubs. Kind of. And it's more domineering for her, which is great. But it's still got elements yeah. in the music video and um, and some of the hooks and things like that there too that are still really good for young people. Mm-hmm. Um, still quite smart. But it was just like, at the time, full of so much lyrical juxtaposition that that's really what got it to number one because it's, mm. just, it's just interesting to listen to. And it is, it's a nice listen. And, you know, all ages could enjoy it really but it was quite hard because i think billy piper you know 26 year olds 27 year olds wouldn't have said they were billy piper fans but they probably knew all the words now i listened to this for a first time and i was kind of like it's let's get the the big thing out of the way it sounds a lot like backstreet's back by the backstreet boys production wise yeah. and it's produced by stargate Do, would, you, would you not would you can you hear it can you hear it when you think about it i can kind of feel it yeah because it does feel like there's a lot of like it's that grungier thing that i've said yeah. i think i can't use any other word than grungier because yeah. it's such a change and it was a notable change but yeah it does have like an everybody kind of down 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 it has all of that in it really and actually it makes me like it more to be fair now that you've said that mm. It was produced by Stargate, the legendary Norwegian production team, uh, who, as of this point so far, have done S Club 7's Two in a Million, and they did Sweet Love 2K by Fierce, and are still doing stuff to this day, like 20 years on, so we're going to see a lot more Stargate. Um, It's got a really nice pop production house kind of feel to it. The fact that it has the Backstreet Boys connection to me gave me something to cling on to with it because I wasn't... I, I haven't got really, I haven't got any grasps with Billy at all. I only know Billy Piper as Billy Piper from Doctor Who. Like, the music side of things, I'm just totally... I had never heard this before. I have literally no recollection of it at all. Uh, it was a number one single. It was her third number one in the UK at just 17 years of age, which is pretty incredible. Her first one was 15, and she was the youngest person to debut at number one in the UK. I, the thing is, right, I've, I've had listened to it a few times and I've liked it more and more each time, but I can't put my finger on why I do and don't connect with it. I kind of, I feel like I am connecting, but I can't figure out why, but I also can't figure out why I'm not loving it. I'm really stuck in this kind of middle ground purgatory of Billy Piper's day and night. I don't think her vocals shine particularly, but as you say, maybe it's the lyrics that are the gripping part about it, and maybe it's the production. It's certainly punchy. Yeah, I think with Billy, one of the things that makes it really difficult for me to completely like love, 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 love it, because I do actually really enjoy it. Um, and I think it kind of did at the time, but I wouldn't have said I was a Billy Piper fan, but again, know the words and would have sat down and watched a music video. But I think there's a thing there by this point is, you know, for me, Billy had been on TV so much. And what you realise quite quickly is that, yeah, she's been to Brit school and stuff and she knows everybody. She had an edge to her. So sometimes what she was singing and the bubblegum pop side of her didn't match. And we kind of knew that there was something extra to her. And the song probably needed a bit more darkness in it actually for you to really connect with Billy in it. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about her vocals because it was never really about that. And everybody, and the thing about Billy at the time was that she had so many teeth and she was just a big panto, smiley, happy kid. And then when you saw her on live and kicking and stuff, you're like, you're interested and there's something a bit more to you. But I remember at the time, I said a few weeks ago that you could tell um, somebody trying to be trendy in a music video because you had either the brand new Volkswagen Beetle, you had um, a BMW Z3 and you had some other cars and stuff in it. There was a BMW Z3 in the music video for this mm. one. So we should do like BMW Z3 bingos, really. But um, <laughs> she was just, this was this was like just before, because this was when she was 17, you know, talking about that age, when she turned 18, all of a sudden she's gone out with Chris Evans, who at the time is 35. Mm-hmm. And... 
you know, we then saw this like, you are a bad girl. That's a bit like whenever <laughs> Charlotte Church, we realized Charlotte Church wasn't just a, the choir singing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like girl next door. There was edges here and it was really good and really interesting to see. You know, there was always a pop story about Billy Piper on the go. Yeah, and I was doing, when I was Googling finding out more stuff, um, I was reading that she was actually kind of a, in terms of the pop music scene, quite a controversial figure just because she was dating one of five. Was she? Um, I was reading, she was dating Richie from five. <laughs> and of, co- of course, if you're a pop star of that time and you're a couple and if you're a teenage girl and suddenly Richie from five, who you've got on your wall, I've got a poster of Richie with big lipstick marks on. If suddenly Billy Piper's going out with your, you know, a fictional fantasy boyfriend, then of course you'd be pretty pissed off. Mm-hmm. So naturally, whenever five did concerts, it'd be like Billy Piper effigies. Uh, naturally, Billy Piper's concerts get picketed by five fans and at the smash hits, Paul Winner's party in 1999 um, she was reduced to tears by booing five fans oh that's so upsetting that is pretty harsh like to be fair I I really like her do you know what's really random right this makes absolutely no sense but at Halloween last year I was down in London and you went dressed as Billy Piper that sounds cool yeah (laughs) good luck even even better I went to a London school fireworks display because one of my family members was DJing and timing the music to the fireworks and Billy Piper was there and it bucketed down with rain and Billy Piper with one of her kids comes running in front of me completely soaked and she looked pure glamorous even completely drenched and um you know, she's probably just been like, oh, it's cold out, it's windy out, there's leaves on the ground, and just chucked something on, you know, not even done makeup or anything, but she just looked amazing. She is properly gorgeous. Like, watching the video... I, I, I hate I hate for this podcast to sound like two men perving on young girls, but um, she she looks really good in this video, and I think part of that dark edge is just the eyeliner she's got. She's got those yeah. like sort of really dark dark rings around her eyes, and she just looks cool and menacing and very. It's that it's that Madison Avenue thing of like I'm kind of scared by her, but I sort of like it. That's what was confusing about it because you kind of were scared by her, but because she was 17 years old, you don't feel like you should have been scared by her. But, you know, really, it was a song for teenagers who are trendy, independent, mm. they're dating, they're hanging out with mates. But really, you know, there's that element there where actually, as much as they're all of those teenage angsty things, they've probably still got cartoon characters on their pants because no one's going to see them. I've got cartoon characters on my pants, but hey, hey ho. <laughs> uh, and I'm 24. There's nothing wrong with it. I've got, lo- I've got uh, the, the number of pairs of Pokemon socks I've got. And you know what's disappointing? I've lost some. I've been doing some washing recently and I realized I've got like a lot of odd pairs of Pokemon socks and I'm a bit gutted really because a lot of them are really comfy and really cool. But <laughs> whatever. I suppose life goes on. Okay, so this track I feel like is one of the most timeless tracks on this list today simply because it's been given a new lease of life by the internet. I want to cast your mind back to, well for me, about 2012-2013. I was in college, there was a group of us, we all used to do TV and film together at Gator College. We'd have a laugh, we'd muck about and we'd all kind of like share the, the sort of memes that we'd found online. We'd all come into class each day and go, oh look what I found online, this is hilarious. And around this sort of time, there was one meme that was just everywhere. And if you go, if you look hard enough, you can still find it to this day. I'm talking about in the YouTube comments of pretty much any song, somebody (laughs) putting, what's the song? And someone replying, Darude Sandstorm. Oh, 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 
<laughs> this track is the actual ultimate meme. Yeah, now, yeah, I've yeah, seen, yeah. I've seen Darude be interviewed and be shown the different ways people have reconstructed this because there's a guy that's carved out a potato and he's managed to play it through a potato <laughs> there's a guy that's done it on a trumpet which is amazing yeah the showhawk duo have done it i've seen a guy from boomwhackers do it with plastic tubes and the most impressive one which makes absolutely no sense is somebody managed to line up eight floppy disk drives and program the floppy disk drives to read the floppy disks to the tune of the rude sandstorm and it makes absolutely no sense how somebody's pulled that off the genius behind it is absolutely amazing but throwing throw me back now to the year 2000 right this got to number three in the charts which is like people are like it didn't get to number one this is an instrumental trance track yeah this was an instrumental track with no vocals and it got to number three that was practically a minus five it was so far past number one for the theory of that that it like it, it did really really well but for me it deserved to kind of be number one but that was a big chart position at the time i could not get this loud enough in my ears like my <laughs> ears were hungry for it yeah and my iowa hi-fi that we've discussed several times before it got put through its paces with this song because it was just like so absolutely immense at the time and still to this day it just causes reaction yeah it's a very high intensity trance track and it's very hard to keep up with certainly i know i've been in certain places where the songs come on and if you dance to the beats that are in the foreground like if you dance to the then you will have a heart attack or a seizure and you will collapse and die if you <laughs> if you dance to the beats in the back or just dance to your own rhythm then you'll be fine but if you try and keep up with the really fast intensity you will be on the ground sweating buckets and you know crying for your mom i love it though i love it so much i think the fact that it's a meme obviously for my generation is enormous um the fact that 20 years on it's lived so many different kind of lives be it through clubs be it through the internet be, be it through floppy disks and some guy with too much time on his hands mm-hmm. uh, but i like that Darude. I mean, you kind of have to. He's embraced the meme. Like, he's taken it on board and he's realised that, look, you're lucky to have this happen to you. There's so many tracks that have fallen by the wayside because there was nothing notable about them. At least this track had so much going for it and there was a reason for it to come back. I was thinking about, uh, you know, the track, the Will Griggs on Fire track, Gala Freed from Desire. Gala was speaking about it when it when it went big, obviously because Will Grigg was like scoring for his football team and his national team, Northern Ireland, and um, Gala didn't like it. Gala was like, no, that's not what the song's about. It's not what it's for. It's just like, how are? Like, show some gratitude. Your Spotify streams have gone through the absolute ceiling. <laughs> and you're sat there going, oh, no, I don't like it. It's a serious dance song. It's just like, you can't, you can't fight the tide. You just can't. You have to embrace it. And I think by embracing it, it makes it even more popular. So good guy, Darude. He actually even embraced it even further by helping Google with an April Fool's prank in 2015 that involved Sandstorm, which is very cool. Well done. I love it. The weird thing for me, right, is this is the first song that probably made me angry at younger generations because <laughs> whenever this song comes on, and I'm, I'm, I'm not really like... I'm not really anti having your phone out in different circumstances, right? But I remember watching Hardwell drop this at Tomorrowland in 2018. And it was the most disappointing response from a crowd ever, even though they were reacting. And you could see that they loved it as much as this getting dropped at any time, any place over the last 20 years. But the problem was everybody got their phone out Mm. and the song was not made for you to film a moment to it. It was made for you to be in the moment and... There can't be a moment if you're trying to film the moment because you're all trying to film the moment for social media so you can have your social media moment, Mm. which means that there's no moment and the reaction in the crowd is just so disappointing. And it's like, I wouldn't usually be all like, right, before I play you this song, 
put your phones in your pockets and just feel it. But, you know, at something like Tomorrowland, there's camera crews. This is being filmed. You don't yeah. need to be the one that captures that moment. Yeah. Just, like, let it in. And I understand, you know, if it's if you're at a, a private gig or someone's doing a house party or there's people dancing around in your street that the phone comes out. But for something like this, is such a big event mm. where that was designed to be played, you know, like a super club or a festival, you know, put your phone away, mate. Just really put your phone away. They might have been Shazam in it. They might have been so young they didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I don't know. 2018. It was. It had been the height of meme. Everybody knew. You can't escape it. Everybody knows it. Really, everybody knows it. And yeah. I think maybe it's memeability makes it, you know, way more of a pop track than you could ever imagine for an instrumental dance track. Mm. And what's so weird for me is that there's been so many tracks in this series that, because bear in mind I'm four at this point, there's so many tracks I have no recollection of whatsoever. But I actually do remember this from being like around this time it was on an advert for CITV when I was a kid <laughs> and um, I would look forward to it coming on because it would be like a big tune that would get you excited for the shows they had coming up on yeah. CITV or whatever um, and it stuck with me since so it's it's got a memorability factor for a four year old purely because of kids TV see everyone everyone mocks me everyone knocks me for being Mr. Kids TV which I've now had to embrace because of the internet mm-hmm. um, but it's 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 Done me, done me a, a great debt of gratitude because Darude Sandstorm has lived with me for 20 years now and not many it's tracks so have. Good. So I even remember the music video because it was very ATB, 9pm till it come. There was like, yeah. there was running, there was chasing, then there was a bit of double crossing. But I remember at the time there being so many people confused about why Seth Green was in the video for it. <laughs> Seth Green wasn't. No. It's just that if you check the ending of it, Darude looks like Seth Green mm. so much. And it was like mm. at Seth Green's height as well. So it was just really confusing. But still do think now in reflection that for the longevity of this and the impact it's had through all the generations that it really in theory is a number one or should have been a number one it certainly lived more than billy piper day and night so go figure so that was the number three and so was this but the two tracks are very different this is bon jovi it's my life it's my This is my introduce. Right, this is okay. Introduce straight mm-hmm. away. You don't like it, do you? I can hear not, your tone. Not particularly, no. What? No. What's, what's not, not to like? I mean, I, I could, I could do a list. <laughs> I, I think this is anthemic. I, oh, that might. I don't know. I, I, I just don't get a good vibe from it. I don't like Bon Jovi's voice <gasps> really anyway because it sounds like he's straining and forcing one out. Um, <laughs> I. I, 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 I don't know. That's a thing. I, just, I, I don't know what it is, but... Okay, Wik- Wikipedia classifies it as arena rock. And to me, that's like the only... Maybe I would like it more if I was listening to it in an arena in the moment. But as is always the case, sat in my room on a laptop watching Bon Jovi just kind of like... It just seems a bit forced... But and I know it's are... forced because I've because I've read that it's forced because they knew they 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 consciously knew that they were making a hit that was going to have this effect, which is not always a bad thing. But I just didn't get an authentic vibe from it. I just felt like it was forced. But we've started on a negative note. You like it more than me, so I'm going to let you say your thing. Like I don't want to detract from what you think. You know the the dom dom of the drums is great. The wow wow. 
brilliant. The references back to Living on a Prayer for Tommy and Gina. Brilliant. I did like that. That was quite cool, yeah. Um, and that's just like, you know, that's like that's smart. That's getting people going, who the fuck's Tommy and Gina? And then you know, mm. it forms conversations around it. And then you end up going back and finding more Bon Jovi stuff. But do you like any Bon Jovi stuff at all? <sighs> no, not really. No. Mm. I, I, I quite like the whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Of living on a prayer, yeah. And I suppose, I suppose again, because uh, I have heard that out, and I have, I have been in the moment of enjoying living on a prayer because it's like a big, like group thing. But I haven't heard this out before, and I've never really been that into it. Maybe it's because I just fundamentally can't relate to the message of it being kind of like, you know, living in the moment and being spontaneous and going out and doing stuff. Because I'm very much not that kind of person. Maybe it gave me anxiety. It's, it's more about taking control of your life as opposed to just doing what you want when you want. I think it's more like, mm. you know, don't be... Well, I'm not in control of my life, so... <laughs> well, yeah, you're only 24, man, so give yourself a chance. But, you know, what, what's really surprised me is I was... I sat, when I was doing my research for this, I thought, I need to go and watch the car, Carpool Karaoke of this. And I couldn't find one. Oh. And I thought, how, how has this never been done on Carpool Karaoke? Um, mm. So there doesn't seem to be anything that exists. And I'm wondering why that was, because I think this would be... And as much as I don't want to see James Corden sing this song, no. I think it'd be quite interesting to watch. But he did it slightly differently. He had an original Volkswagen Beetle in his in the year 2000, so mm. he'd gone classic. But, you know, the music video was action-packed. It had, like, CRT computer monitors with, like, backs on them. There was pagers. It was very America 2000s. But I think vocally brilliant, lyrically brilliant, musically brilliant. And because it was constructed the way that it was to be a hit on purpose, that makes it a typical pop song and yeah. that puts it in as a contender. Oh, that's that's bold. This one, to me, I always thought was Mary J. Blige for some reason. I, I, I wasn't totally wrong because it is Mary something. Mary Mary. Um, <laughs> Shackles, praise you. man this is like sass and soul all rolled into one and i never thought you could have sass and soul together really but uh awesome piano immediately big vocal display very subtle use of auto-tune at one point literally it happens twice in the entire track but it just it comes at a nice point and it works really well yeah well that was like the age so actually what was really weird is we were finding the way that they used auto-tune is the way the auto-tune was starting to appear in garage music Mm. and then you know you'll see in like a few episodes or a few years time you know dane byers and stuff start to really overuse it on purpose and you know we haven't really seen it be overused since share believe really mm-hmm. um but yeah there, there then became it less is more but use it a bit and yeah it was just really smart and just like i think it's just a a really nice story the whole way through just a lovely lovely yeah track really did you watch a music video for it yeah oh my god yeah um it made me feel so it, 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 it did its purpose very well. It made me feel uplifted. It almost made me feel religious. And for a, for a non-religious person to suddenly feel like it had an affinity to what they're talking about, like, that's got to be the highest kind of praise. It made me want to believe. It made me want to believe. Maybe not in God, but in something. That's why it was quite interesting, because this was, like, this was classed at the time as being urban gospel, and this was seen as, like, a breakthrough gospel track, which yeah. means it caused a hoo-ha, because... Mm-hmm. 
you know, people that were very traditional into the way that they do their music in American churches were a bit like, this is way too contemporary. Um, I think their comeback was actually what we've done is we've made this track universal. Mm-hmm. And it is universal because, you know, the shackles can just be, you know, take away my stress. It doesn't necessarily have to be, yeah, yeah. you know, God to many people, even though they do reference him in it. But, you know, I think the video is just really lovely because it's like they're dancing on top of buses, they're dancing on rooftops, and they're pretty mm-hmm. much running concerts just trying to make some money for someone that's about to be evicted and their life's going down the pan. And it's just charitable giving, really. And it's it just removes their shackles so that they can just, like, embrace life, which is the, you know, in theory... In theory, dance, but and I, what I really like about it is I love the fact that it's obvious gospel and it's not sneaky gospel. You know, like Mumford's and Sons are all like, "Oh yeah, we're not Christians, we're not Christians." Yes, you are. Your mum and dad own a church, and you were brought up in this church scenario, and you still contribute to it. Um, so just be honest, and would have much more respect for it. And um, you know, your your songs are dripping with it. Whereas this one was clear as day out there really doing their thing for their for their church and their community and i, I just think it's just a, a lovely a lovely debut track the the thing about being kind of cast out from the you know the the audience they would they would have had to this point of contemporary christian radio mm-hmm. it reminds me of my girl casey musgraves who had been doing the country thing like pretty straightforward but she had progressive views and her most recent album, Golden Now, went down a route of being kind of country pop, but like not in a like kind of like really ambitious country pop. But mm-hmm. because she was seen as kind of going against the message of country by being very progressive in terms of like LGBT views and also kind of like playing fast and loose with the instruments of the kind of country sound mm-hmm. that they won't play her uh, and despite that she's won she won I think four Grammys last year including best album which is the, the, big, the big mm. big prize um, she still she still considers herself a country artist and she still has a lot of affinity for country music but the country community has really cast her aside which is so so strange um, mm-hmm. it's 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 a, it's a whole political thing of like we're all fighting the same battle here like we all want the same thing we all want country or in this case gospel to be appreciated and go to a wider audience so like why are you trying to cut me down man like why why can't you just get up like get in my corner and help like why have, why have got to make it factional why have you got to make it like an argument like a us versus them internal civil war kind of bullshit um so fair play to mary mary for doing so well outside of their where where they should where they should have been championed like they've done so much better than anybody probably expected, and I'm so glad that they did. I'm so glad that they've been able to break out of that into the the mainstream. I think it's really good and it's a lovely track. And I think for me though, what it's kind of missing is, you know, it feels like it's a, a lesser candy start and you got the love. think because i've put them two side by side now um i think that i've knocked it down a few points just simply because of that but you know it is their debut it's pretty much the only thing that really really comes from them but yeah you know is it timeless do people you you know you didn't know it i i think i sang it to you two weeks ago did it and they were like oh it's that one yeah um so i remember it but you know candy statin you got the love do you know that one yeah i know that one yeah yeah yeah. there you go so that that's the impact that gospel songs can have long term and this one just didn't have that impact 20 years later i think regardless of impact or non-impact purely off the song how it made me feel the, how it took me by surprise 
major, major contender. Major, major contender for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. wow, 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 I think, wow, wow. Oh, I didn't see that for you. Interesting. No, when I think back to it, I can hear it clear. I can hear it crystal clear every bit, the entire thing. And I can see the video. I can see the dance on the cars and just yeah. like, I want to be there. I want to be in amongst that. And I think it's just a nice <laughs> vibe that, especially right now, I'm feeling like I want to be there and I want to feel that. So, uh, yeah, major, yeah. major contender. Major, major contender. This is a debut single for an artist who people may not even know, much like the Sia thing, would not know that they were doing stuff like this at this time because we see them in such a different way. So this was the debut single in a weird R&B sort of thing for Pink. And it's called There You Go. I remember this so well. I loved Pink whenever she first launched because it sounds really stupid. She was called Pink and she had pink hair. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody had really seen that. And, you know, anytime, I think the only time at this point in my life that I'd ever seen somebody with pink hair is in Greece, where it's a mistake, whereas Pink <laughs> had actively done this. She had short hair. She had a Kelly Rowland kind of vibe. Mm. Um, but it was brilliant. But this, again, is a prime example of the oversaturated female R&B market mm. and how you can't stand out. And everything about this was a bit wrong for her. It's a bit like, you know, the way we felt like Billy Piper had an edge. In the music video to this, she's riding a motorbike. You know, she's giving a guy grief down the phone. She's come through and they've been like, right, you've got an edge. You're going to do this as a pop star. But actually what she needed to be is not an R&B star. She needed to be a pop rock star. Yeah. Which is where she went. Yeah. But it was so strange because she was fierce in the video. She actually like flings the bike off a rooftop across <laughs> a street through an apartment window just trying to like get her ex back because he's trying to get lifts and stuff off her because he's such a, a waster but it didn't even though she's got like a, a harsh raspy you know strong voice it just didn't didn't show her off at all it was such no. a strange one still a great track but you could have given it to somebody else and it could have been bigger than what it was for her mm. really at the time. So for you as someone who liked Pink at this point, were you how did you feel when two years later she came back and did the sound that maybe she should have been doing from the beginning? Were you disappointed? Were you kinda of like, this makes much more sense? It wasn't even there was no like real thought process behind it. There was just like she came back and we're like, this is a jam. Yeah. And because she'd come back with such a big jam, that's whenever she'd cemented herself as actually being global mm. and a big pop star. And beforehand you know it could have gone anyway and we have had some really talented people come through you know in this era who do not last long yeah but like people like maya for example you know quickly cemented themselves and pink wasn't able to cement herself in this thing but it was just it was wrong and i'm so so glad that whatever conversations happened happened on whoever did their market research or did a focus group or whether pink just said fuck this shit this is not me and you know she's even topless in her in her music video yeah and things like that I'm like, stop stop being being a try hard but I'm, I'm really glad but i remember at the time well maybe probably a few years later that what really helped everybody just fall in love with pink is ashton kutcher used to do a show called punked <laughs> where he played pranks on celebrities yeah. and it really 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 brought the inner 
personality of those celebrities out and what it actually did is it pretty much showcased people for being absolute tools <laughs> and one one of them it ruined, completely ruined the TV series for me that I loved because the guy was such a douche but Pink was she was kind of what you expected her to be she was a little bit fiery she was still quite respectful um, she had a bit of attitude she was cool as well but really when it came to it she was just a really nice guy um, and she just like she felt real and it actually matched the music that she was bringing out at that time and that just really helped Pink for me and it made me love her even more. Not bad for a debut single, number six. It's quite a big, big marker of success to come straight in the UK with number six. Yeah. To me, it's kind of, I mean, you've said the word try hard and I kind of, I I don't get the whole like randomly being topless thing. It just felt a bit strange, um, inauthentic to me. But I, I had to think to myself, am I, am I saying it feels forced and inauthentic because I know what comes next. Like because I know she changes or like, is it genuinely, is that how I feel? I'm kind of conflicted. Either way, I'm not that fussed. It's still a great track. You know, yeah. it, the story and stuff in it is great, but we know we're living in the era here of Destiny's Child and you know, even things like, you know, Fierce Love, you know, Fierce or y- Love Y2K and all the, those are, that's a better song. Really, you know, when we said that that was two years late, that sound. Yeah. But um, I'm really glad that, one, she did this because I did love it. And I remember just really, really liking it at the time. And this is where people were starting to get, you know, Sky and Cable and stuff. So music channels were a bit more accessible. And it was nice to have different things to flick onto because there was more than one channel if you had money to pay for that sort of stuff. Mm. But it was good to see somebody like her doing her thing, really. Uh, But definitely, definitely a correct choice shifting into different signs so we've had a lot of garage so far this series uh, it's all been like pretty good but so different so diverse this one is perhaps most conventional of all the garage tracks we've had so far but that doesn't mean it's not fucking class b15 girls like us Garage. Yeah, yeah, More yeah. Garage. Very good. And this is a big dose of garage. It's a big blast of garage. This is it's a big hit. It's 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 class. I love it. <laughs> this is really cemented in garage history as well. And you know what actually really I feel like now at this point when this is coming out we're now into a semi-saturated garage market. This is where it is starting to dilute. Mm. And this is one of the ones that has stayed like it. And actually, I think that the downfall of it was that it did follow the existing rules and it isn't really different to what we've heard so far. But mm. this is cemented in history. If you buy a garage album, you know, in 20 years' time, if they do the best garage anthems ever, or you find it on a playlist on the future of Spotify, this will be on that playlist along with most of the ones that we've actually covered so far. Mm. It isn't as prominent as other garage tracks. It isn't as processed. It isn't as massively produced. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think in this episode, it stands up as if it's a significant track. But I think if you put it into a playlist amongst all the other garage tracks, I don't think it would stand as strongly as what we're, or as what you're thinking right now. But as a track on its own, individually, that I'm here for three and a half minutes right now in this very moment. I like it a lot. It's got a nice layer in the vocals. You know, it's chopped up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hard one to perform live because it's all over the shop. Um, it's got a catchy, simple sing-along hook. 
It's got an infectious beat. It's got a few little curveballs in there that sort of throw you a little bit. And like two different kinds of synthesized organ and keys that kind of pop in every now and again that just, mm-hmm. again, just stimulate your brain. I, I really like this. And so this is their biggest hit. It's their only big chart hit, really. Their next track after this is with Miss Dynamite in 2001. I'm looking forward to getting into the Miss Dynamite sort of era. Um, <laughs> But it didn't do quite as well. No. Um, yeah, B15 Project weren't familiar to me at all. And I, I, I had to Google and I had to look a bit more about them. They're called B15 because they're from Birmingham, the postcode B15, um, which kind of makes me want to start doing music under the postcode NE6. You could do it. What, 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 what could I do? Well, what could I do? I think, I think I'd, I'm so inspired by the garage vibes. I might go and do some like 2020 based garage called NE6. NE6. What, what? See, the thing is with this one as well is like, if you ask people, and I'm I'm confident this is true, if you ask people that know garage music to list garage songs, this will be way down the list. And I think what they'll do is they'll say, oh, Girls Like Us, but they'll not remember it was B15. And I'm surprised that you even said Chrissy D and Lady G because most people don't know that part of it. But mm. what I love about it, um, this is my favourite part of it, and it's not even to do with the song, it's to do with the music video because the music video has got sign language. It's just people signing to each other in 2000 mm. and that mm. is so, so inclusive and there's not enough of that even today. So yes, 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 yes on that for me. But I still think that on the list of legendary garage tracks, I think that it's one of the most likely to be forgotten well master master blaster 2000 is going to be forgotten further or faster but i do think that this is kind of at the bottom of the pile which is still a pile of good (laughs) pile of good you know a pile of good well i'm going to make it my mission to make it more known i'm I'm going to champion i'm going to i'm going to wave a big flag for it and say that look i want this to be to be bigger than it is see that's good and that's exactly what i love about this podcast is discovering stuff and being like actually I'm going to listen to this again mm-hmm. and randomly I've got another track that we've still got to cover that I'm going to listen to again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, this might be one of my favourite discoveries. It might be one of the things that I've come into completely blind that's caught me by surprise the most. One of those tracks anyway, but I'm very I'm very pleased this exists and I'm looking forward to hearing it again. Why is it called Girls Like Us and not Girls Like This? I've no idea. I remember watching it um, live on top of the pops and I thought it was brilliant because there's the two the two singers and uh, one does the uh, girls like this and then the other one um, give me love. Then the other one goes give me love and give me love and that's the, the two of them flick <laughs> back and forward through the, the chorus and they were brilliant and they did it live as well which at that's the time so was cool. when there was the, the bit but uh, and they did a dance routine and guys kind of came in and did other things but again epic Friday nights watching Top of the Pops yeah. with the, you know the B16 crew doing their thing okay we've got one final track and it comes from two musical powerhouses who've both unfortunately met quite sad ends but Whitney Houston and George Michael got together in the year 2000 to basically have a showdown of who can show off vocally the most if I told you that This was a number 10. This was a number 10. It's 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 strange to have these two massive acts come in the same track and it not be like a smash. Do you have any insight as to why that was? They never performed it. Ah. So they did this track, it got released, and actually for it to get into the top 10 without any promo, any anything, and just a few pop-ups and music channels makes it massive. And uh, it was just like the collaboration of 
collaborations really because mm. i forgot whenever whenever i saw the list of what we were going to be covering i was like i don't know that one i've never heard this one me neither and then pressed play in it and i was like oh my god yeah i can't believe i've completely forgotten it and you know her tone oh i know exactly why you love it as much as you do i do you know what because you're gonna say what i think you're gonna say and that's actually i'm actually really disappointed with that element of it are you really i don't think it's some of his best work okay so yeah i mean you've got it it's a, it's a dark child rodney jerkins production he did say my name which you know it's scott's current series winner let's not forget um but you're not you're not you're not that fussed whenever whenever i watch a music video for it because dark child always has his name said at the start of songs whenever it said dark child i was really shocked and it's like did dark child do this one and i think it's great but it's not a holler it's not a same in name mm. you know i think he's he's done better stuff but i think what's really interesting is the fact that dark child was working with whitney houston yeah and george george michael really but you know her tone's great through it his over talking that he does in it as well so skilled and soulful in fact there's there's a skill to doing responses in songs which brandy mm, and monica mm, nail mm. and i think the kind of closest to this day and age one that i can really remember is booty love covered don't mess with my man which was like a i think it was called tweet classic and they do so much back and forth in that that it's frantic but it's perfect and i think that george michael in this has done it really really well and you know if you're not listening for it you maybe won't notice it like i think it should have charted higher yeah but you know what can you do whenever everybody's doing top of the pops and live and kicking and cd uk and everything over the weekends and they're on the chart show you know this was pretty much sold by music video and radio play alone so i like that it goes straight in with a hook it just goes right in there whitney in with the hook it's good it's great um and I, I like i like whitney and george individually in this but i think when they're both going at it together mm-hmm. especially towards the end when it becomes that sparring match of just like who can hit the highest notes and who can do the coolest little verbal like things um i found it was just a distracting thing and maybe a bit like self-indulgent on their part just to be like they were just doing that as oh really i don't know i mean, I mean maybe they thought it was like a fan service thing of like isn't it amazing that Whitney Houston and George Michael are both going for it this hard on the same track at the same time? But for me, it was just like, I, I, I found it, it drew me out a bit too much, but I liked them both individually. I just found those bits when they were both just kind of going off script and riffing too much. I found it hard to focus. It doesn't take away from the fact I do like the track and it's one that I was totally surprised by. Um, I was expecting a ballad. I was totally expecting a ballad, but it was it was a dark child and it was yeah. it was it, it, it worked for me yeah um i was curious to read that michael jackson was the first person to record this with whitney uh but he wasn't available when they came to recording the main thing uh george had just done i knew you were waiting with aretha franklin and the agent got in touch and it became a thing uh, I, I i like the idea of this more with george than jackson i think i do too because i think that i actually like their battle for ego through it because you know if they didn't battle for ego it wouldn't be whitney and george michael together yeah no it wouldn't and, make any sense and and, and 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 i know that like deep down i do know that but something about my brain is just like not I think maybe maybe I'll grow away. I've only heard it a couple of times, but it's one that Did I... Did you watch a music video when yeah, you were yeah, watching? Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. oh, have you only experienced it through the music video? Yeah, yeah. I think that maybe what detracts from it is what's really strange is the music video is set in a, in a club. There's a crew around the circle of them. And mm. I want to be in that crew. That's how much this has impressed me. But um, George Michael has a bit of a questionable tash, which is a bit <laughs> very, odd. Just very kind questionable, of the, yeah. Just the wrong length for him. Yeah. Um, but they're in the nightclub. They meet 
and then they dance in a circle around them. But I think actually what's odd is their dancing is just a tiny bit awkward. And I think that's the thing that makes you think that they're battling with each other is awkward. Whereas if you listen to this on Spotify first and you didn't watch a music video with it, I don't think you'd have a problem with them battling each other in the mm, in the audio. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Yeah, I think you might be right. Eight big tracks, another strong week. Uh, for me, it was a lot of unexpected things, a lot of a lot of hidden gems that have been uncovered. I'm very pleased with, with this week's findings. How did you find it? I find it quite interesting, to be fair, because I think that actually um, I hadn't thought too much about the mismatch of Billy Piper, but actually that makes me like her even more, mm. really. Uh, I surprised myself at how much love I've got for Bon Jovi and I feel like I respect the track more and opened my mind mm. to much more gospel stuff yeah. than, than I ever thought that I would. Mm-hmm. So it's decision time. Uh, last week you kept on Destiny's Child. I controversially moved across to Madison Avenue, but what's going to happen this week? Yeah, uh, Scott, hit me with your contenders and your episode winner. Right. My contenders this week, got to be Sonique. It feels so good in there. Yeah. I, I think Billy Piper has ticked a lot of pop boxes and she's got that little bit of the dark edge, which works. I'm really surprised at this because I'm putting in Darude Sandstorm in that pot as well. Yes. Bon Jovi, I still think it's anthemic and I'll fight its corner, even though before this, I wouldn't have said that I was like the biggest Bon Jovi fan. And um, Mary Mary, Shackles Praise You. And again, that's quite a wide pot again this week for me. It's over half the tracks. <laughs> exactly, yes. And I'm thinking that just goes to show how good a week it is and how varied week it is. But yeah, yeah. for me, there's one track that is a clear winner simply because of the backstory vocally how important it is um, the way it wasn't over sexualized for the nature of the song and my episode winner this week is Sonique it feels so good ooh you know what I sort of thought I did sort of think did you? I did yeah I did yeah I did I feel like I've done Darude Sandstorm enough justice in the way that we've described it and said it really in theory was so far past the number one it was a minus five because of the memeability of it and how it's become its own pop song and things yeah, but yeah. I, I do think actually for me Darude Sandstorm was my number two Liam, so I've done like two thirds of the pot. Tell us what your contenders are and your episode winner, please. Well, I'm going to go for half of the tracks. I've got four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Um, so I'm going to go for Sonic. It feels so good as well. Uh, I, I, it's, it's a song that I knew for a long time, so I've always loved it, and it's it's always going to stay there. I'm going for Darude. Uh huh. Partly for the meme factor, but also just because whenever it comes on, I just get a good pump on. Class. And um, that's what you want, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm going for B15 Project. Oh, wow. Because I had never heard it before, and I'm I'm really, really discovering Garage and I'm really, really enjoying it. I think a lot of my winners so far have been Garage mm-hmm. um, and it would make sense for me to choose that as my winner. We'll right. see. Uh, and I'm going to go for Mary Mary um, because ah. it, it just gave me a really uplifted feeling and I can still, still vividly see it. And I, and I, I know I said this when we spoke about it, but I can still see it clear as day and I can hear it and I can feel it. My For that reason... My winner this week's going to be Mary Mary. Is it? Shackles praise you. It certainly is. Brilliant. It is such a happy song. I fucking love it. It's actually really, really happy. And I think that, you know, whenever we talk about how Reach by S Club 7 last week was so positive and there's so much love for positivity in pop music, this is just a really cool way of being equally as positive. Yeah, that's it. In a, a trendy class cool diverse way yeah that that's 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 kind of perfectly right because i don't hate the message of reach i just don't like the way it sounds 
really, you know, 20 years on. But this, same kind of message, same kind of uplifting feeling, but certainly more my kind of speed and my kind of production. So, Mary Mary, Shackles, praise you. I'm, I'm, I've surprised myself, wow. but it's just, it's just great. <laughs> it's just nice. It's, I want to be nice for a fucking change. Um, okay, so we've done episode winners. Let's get into the overall series winner. Scott. I feel like you're losing your head here a little bit, <laughs> being locked in your cupboard for weeks on end, and I don't know what way you're going to go, but will I go first? Yes, I would like you to go first. Hit me with a drone. So, Sonique, it feels so good. Third biggest selling song of 2000, yeah. and I actually checked the list to see where Destiny's Child Say My Name was, and I think it might have been something like 64 or 65 oh, so that puts me in a rubbish. really difficult position because <laughs> Sonique, it feels so good so there is one obvious thing to do and like you said I need to bin off Destiny's Child say my name but I'm not gonna oh. because I think it was completely underrated and I still think today it's a vital 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 song for girls relationships urban R&B America I'm keeping on Destiny's Child say my name okay alright fair enough uh, I yeah, again, you have me on the ropes there. You're very good. <laughs> You're so flippant You're very about me good there. That. So I think very like, good at that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I I feel like I'm taking it more seriously than you now because you're just like, ah, yeah, yeah, been it. So <laughs> you freak me out now because I feel like as much as I'm playing with my words to get you on a rope, <laughs> I feel like you're just manic nature could just have you know Mary Mary your current winner <laughs> I'm living rent right, so. I'm living rent free inside your head Scott <laughs> Mary Mary Shackles praise you versus Madison Avenue don't call me baby and honestly I don't feel like I know where you're going to go with this let's hit you with a drone Liam um, as much as I love it and I'm glad that it's coming to my life I'm glad I've let the Lord in I don't think it's going to be a it's going to be a thing that stays on whereas I do think Madison Avenue ah, it's just it's just special both both are very special but I think Madison Avenue is the one that I'm feeling right now so much like you I'm keeping on my current winner Madison Avenue wow okay so nothing's changed in terms of series winner we've had a big eight track week yeah we've got a naughtiest naughty extra on the way for you as well yeah. with some extra bits and pieces because we spoil you rotten how are you feeling about it all i'm feeling i'm feeling good i think i've made the right choice mm-hmm. things will get difficult next week because i without giving too much away uh an australian pop queen shows up and that might throw oh. a spanner in the works but we'll see oh. but if you want to hear the full track listing for next week's show in advance you can hear it on monday's TNNX, which, as I've already said, you can get on this very podcast feed. You haven't even got to do anything. Just just press play. It's simple as that on Monday. Um, Scott, I think we've done a good job today. I think we will go and uh, have sleepless nights for the rest of the week, Absolutely. as always, about our decisions. Completely exhausted from this. It's so much more difficult than you'd think, really. But it's nice that this is what we worry about, isn't it? It's nice that this is yeah. what we're concerned about. And yeah, um, I'll take care. I'll see you soon. See you soon.